Infertility is the inability to conceive a child. I want to take you on my journey to one of the deepest desires of my heart, a child. Infertility is a very difficult thing, and if it hasn't impacted your life personally, that's okay. Listen in, because this message that you listen to, that you may share, could possibly be a lifeline of hope for someone else. Stay with me. Hey friend, welcome to the Shattered in the Beautiful podcast. I'm Jeannie Smith. If your heart is hurting, no matter what your circumstances are, there is only one healer. Through biblical content, I will teach you how to experience whole healing and soar into great purpose. So let's get into today's show. Grab your favorite coffee, journal, and Bible. It's time to dig in and unwrap your gift. Hey friends, this is Jeannie. Welcome back to the Shattered in the Beautiful podcast. I hope you have had a wonderful week. Today we're going to be talking about uh, infertility, a topic that is very tender to my heart. And I knew the Lord was going to have me press into this a little bit more in the podcast. And I was waiting on his time for that. And I actually had a different message prepared for you today. And the Lord redirected me. So his timing is perfect. And we are going to be obedient to what he is asking us to do. So today, as I was preparing uh, to share this content, I realized that this is definitely going to be another book that I write one day because of the depth of this topic and the journey that I personally went on. And it is a struggle for many, and that is the desire to want something so badly like a child and not being able to have that deep desire of your heart. It is very painful. And as I journeyed back through the content, I got very emotional because it was as if I was reliving it all over again. As I was reading my journal and my notes, I could feel the sting of that emotion and what it felt like, remembering what it felt like to walk through that season of my life. And, you know, I was just sharing yesterday, speaking at a church, and I just made note of that I don't ever want to forget where I was and where God brought me from and what pain that I endured and went through in my life. Because if I were to forget those things, that story, that season of my life, I would then fail to remember and honor and glorify the one Jesus that brought me out of it, God and Jesus that brought me out of it. I would fail to remember them and to glorify them. So I'm thankful for the raw emotion that I went through as I was preparing this message for you today. Now, this is going to be a part one and part two because of the level of content. And so today, I'm going to talk to you about what I was experiencing, the years of pain and sorrow that I was experiencing as I was awaiting, praying, and desiring for a child. One thing that deeply helped me was journaling. And so I want to talk to you about that today. But before I start diving into my story and my message, I want to share a poem with you. I came across this poem that was written by another woman who was struggling with infertility. And so this 
poem was written out of her pain and struggle and sorrow. And I found it on January 17th, 2012. And I immediately journaled it when I came across it because it really just, it felt like it was written by me and for me. And so I want to share it with you today because maybe you're listening in and maybe infertility is one of your struggles or maybe a friend shared this podcast episode with you because they know that you're struggling with infertility and this may minister to you. You know, a lot of times just to know that someone else can relate with our sorrow and understands what we're feeling is so, so impactful. And what I found more than anything going through infertility is you could talk about it with people but unless they had gone through it themselves, they could not understand the depth of pain and sorrow that you were experiencing. And so it wasn't that they weren't trying to be compassionate and understanding and empathetic with what you were going through, but you just knew as you were sharing it that because they hadn't experienced it, they just didn't understand the depth of pain and sorrow that was there. And so as I read this poem, I realized this woman wrote this from her own pain and sorrow, and she knows exactly what I'm feeling. She gets it. And so today, I hope this reaches someone, and you can just say, oh, she gets it, because that actually helps begin the healing journey. When you know that someone else speaks out what you've experienced, it actually gives you courage to move forward, because you know that someone else has experienced that very thing. And it's not just infertility, although that's the topic we're talking about today today, but it could be anything that you've gone through. When someone else has shared their story and says, hey, I know what that feels like, and I've been through that too, and I get it, there's an immediate connection and relationship that happens with that person because you've come across someone that understands your pain and sorrow. We know that Jesus does, but someone else here, human on earth, they can actually touch you and have a conversation with you in a tangible way any emotional and physical way, that is so important and that helps bring courage and that helps bring healing. And so if you are walking through infertility or grief or whatever it may be, find a connection of community that understands what you're going through because that truly helps to begin a healing journey. Okay, let's dive in to this poem and here's what it says. The poem is titled, what would it be like? What would it be like? I want to know. To have a child as innocent, pure as snow. To hear the words, you're going to have a baby. It's for sure. It's for real. It's not just maybe. To go to the doctor, to hear the heart tick. What would it be like to feel a baby kick? What would it be like, I want to know, to feel the pain of labor? It's me this time, not my neighbor. To give the child a name, does she have my eyes or does he have my nose? Our child looks like us both, I suppose. What would it be like, dirty diapers in a heap? I want to know long nights without sleep. What would it be like to hear the word mommy? What would it be like to hear the word daddy? To have dreams for the future 
and tell stories of the past to pass down our heritage so our family will last. What would it be like to watch him or her grow up, to watch them leave the house, to see them take a spouse? What would it be like to have to let go, to say goodbye? Will I ever know? Written by Ruth Dotson. Ruth, we thank you for writing this poem and the many, many lives that it has touched. I want to begin to talk about some of the things as women that we go through and we feel and experience as we're waiting for this deep, deep desire of a child. Now, infertility, it causes deep, deep emotions. And some of those could be strife. So there could be strife within yourself. There could be strife with a spouse. And we also sometimes experience envy. Not that our heart is one that, you know, desires envy, but as we wait for this child and we see other people around us having children, sometimes we begin to envy that. And we're going to get talk about an example of that even today. And then there's also great sadness. Sometimes undescribable sadness and deep sorrow. And sometimes we can feel unworthy, like, why am I not good enough to have a child? Is, is God seeing something in me? Is God punishing me? Why am I not worthy enough to have a child? Because this seems like a beautiful, joyful thing to be a mother. It is. It's a gift. And so why would God be withholding this gift from me? These are some of the things that we ask ourselves. Am I not worthy to be a mother Am I not worthy of a child? Another thing that we have is a struggle with failure uh, or the inability to conceive. You know, the question, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with my body, with my reproductive system? What is not functioning right within me? Have I done something wrong? Have I done something that has affected my reproductive system? And you start recounting everything in your life. Now, specifically for me, I had a lot of question there because I had had an abortion. You know my story. So abortion is one of my stories. And so the inability to have a child, Satan would always attack me in this area. And he would mentally torment me. You had a baby. Look what you did. And you think God's going to give you another one? There was also this fear of uh, having the abortion, the procedure itself. Uh, that it had damaged my internal reproductive organs. And, you know, there was a fear there. And so, now I'm not saying that those things can't happen because it has been proven scientifically that abortion, especially if you have numerous abortions, can damage your, your cervix. And so there could have been a possibility there, although I had only had one abortion, but I did not know. But again, that was a crack that was a stronghold that began to appear in my life because of the shame and the sin connected to that abortion, that because of that, I wasn't worthy to have a child. God was not going to give me the opportunity to have another child because of what I had done. Okay, so that's just my story, my example, connecting to that fear of failure and the inability and the unworthiness because of past sin, that God was not going to give me this gift, this thing that I so desired. So that's where then the spirit of doubt creeps in. 
So doubt is something that we struggle with. Fear, the fear that this is never going to happen. Of course, anxiety gets tied into that. Anxiety then affects our stress level. And so we're in this high stress, you know, mode, place of anxiety all the time, which again can affect our, affect our um, fertility. And it certainly affects us mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Okay, then we go slide into this deeper place that the Lord never meant for us to be in. And this is where depression comes on the scene. And so month after month of not getting pregnant, for me, month after month of seeing a negative pregnancy test slid me deeper and deeper into depression. And it made all those other things that I've already spoke about come alive in a greater, greater way. And then we begin to compare ourselves. We compare ourselves with other women around us that are having babies. What do they have that I don't have? You know, what blessing and favor favor do they have on their lives that I don't have on mine? Why is God choosing and allowing them to be a mother and not me? And so these things really take root into our mind, into our heart. And sometimes because of this, we can get very, very impatient and begin to take matters into our own hands. So we're going to talk about an example of that today in the life of Sarah. And so again, the failure and the shame and all these things, the challenges of impatient, having to have, you know, God, we have to exercise sometimes patience when it comes to infertility. And that can be very, very hard because every season, every person's life, their waiting season can look different. And so then we have to learn to trust. And so our trust abilities, our trusting abilities can be very, very challenged. And we may also experience anger. You know, I'm very angry. And sometimes we may be even angry at God. Why is he withholding this from me? And so, you know, God put this desire in my heart. Why is he not giving it to me? All these things are valid, valid questions and concerns and feelings, and emotions. We have biblical examples of these in the Bible. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Hannah, they all experienced infertility. And today I want to talk a little bit about Sarah, because Sarah longed for a child, and she ended up taking matters into her own hands. And what that caused was even more trouble and trauma and uh, issues, struggles for everyone involved because Sarah grew weary in her waiting period. She grew weary with patience. Now, before I dive into Sarah's story, I just want to remind us all, God's word is where we can find hope and wisdom for every single thing that we are going through. And sometimes we look to other people, we look to other places, we look to other, even books that we may read, we look to physicians, we look to so many other things, and we fail to first go to the very book, the very word, the very person that understands it all and has overcome it all. And I am learning more and more in my walk, in my journey, that this book, has the answers and the hope that we are looking for. When all else fails, sometimes we tend to go back, oh, remember, oh yeah, what does God's word say about this? Friends, I want to encourage you to not make God's word 
and his presence and his wisdom the last stop but the first stop it is the urgent care stop it should be the first place that we go and we might find ourselves uh, saving a lot of agony we may find ourselves saving ourselves a lot of time and even money and resources because we first went to the very one that created us that has the answers to every single thing in our life okay so let's dive into this story our sweet friend Sarah and let's talk about what Sarah did now Abraham and Sarah's journey through infertility highlights the importance of just radical trust in the Lord's plan and patience right constantly throughout scripture Abraham we see Abraham wonderful Abraham, Father Abraham. He puts his faith in the Lord and honors his request. He's known for this, his faithfulness and obedience to God. But he had a spouse that was struggling with that. So when Sarah learns that she and Abraham will bear a child in their late age, Sarah laughed. And then God gently reminds Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really bear a child? Because we're not hiding anything from the Lord, right? Sarah secretly laughed, but God knew that she had done this, and he calls her out on it, and he lets Abraham know. Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really bear a child as old as I am? And God says, Is anything too marvelous for the Lord to do? We see the account of this in Genesis 18, 13, and 14. So Sarah was slow to believe that God would love her enough. Now, listen to, to that, that God would love her enough. She failed and was slow to believe that God would love her enough. Now, I want to pause right there because all of those things that I read out to you, that I called out to you, things that we experience when we're going through infertility, those struggles, those things, right? I'm sure that you identified with some of those, if not all of them, if you're struggling with infertility. And because of all those things, sometimes it can make it difficult for us to believe, or we might be slow to believe, like Sarah, does God really love me enough that he's going to give me the desires of my heart, even though I'm feeling all of these things? Yes, friends, yes. Sarah was slow to believe that God would love her enough to send her that marvelous gift of a child, the reward of a child. So though we may be inclined to, to doubt God's plan for our lives because of the waiting period, he calls us to radically trust him and obey him. His faithfulness is enduring and his plan is marvelous. His timing, friends, is marvelous. And Sarah was eventually healed from her infertility, it was in her old age, and so it didn't look the way she thought it should look, and it certainly didn't happen in the timing that she wanted it or thought that it should happen. But God spoke a word, and he blessed, and he said these things are going to happen, and they did. And so he does bless her with a child, her and Abraham with a child, and it was Isaac. Let this be hope in our lives that God, too, can work a miracle in our lives. And friends, he wants to. He truly, truly wants to. So sometimes he calls us to seasons of waiting because he knows the timing is not perfect yet. Sometimes he calls us to seasons of being dependent on him and trusting him. 
And in that waiting period, oh, as hard as it can be, there's a lot of refining and uh, development that's going on in us because it's going to be a lifeline for us later in our years to come and for other people. We're going to have miracles, signs, and wonders in our life, even in the waiting period as we're waiting for that thing, whatever it is that we want the Lord to do for us or that we need the Lord to do for us. So I want you to be right now, no matter what you're going through, whether it's infertility or whatever it is, whatever it is that you need God to be right now in your life, how you need him to show up in your life right now in this waiting period. I want you to take note of the waiting period. I want you to journal about the waiting period. I want you to look for signs and wonders, the hands of God and the gifts of God in the waiting period. Oh friend, don't miss what he's doing in the waiting period. The waiting period is a gift itself. Look for him. Look at what he's doing in the waiting period. This will, in the end, as you look back, be a beautiful season of your life. Even after receiving the word from the Lord that Sarah got, Sarah grew impatient and she took matters into her own hands. She came up with a plan to have Abraham sleep with a servant, her servant, Hagar. And despite the word that God had already given, that they had already received from the Lord, Abraham, in his weakness, and to please his wife, agreed. And so Hagar does conceive, and there is another child, Ishmael, that gets brought into this situation, into this storyline. And through all of this, we see how it impacts Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, both the children. We see the, the struggle in all of this that didn't necessarily ever have to be there, but however, God brings great purpose and plan out of all of it as he does with everything in our life. So I understand Sarah. I understand the becoming impatient in the waiting period because I too became impatient in the waiting period. So my journey of infertility was 10 years long. That's a long time to desire a child. And so in my waiting period, I grew impatient and I began to look to the world for answers. I began to look to doctors and treatments for answers. And me and my husband went on this journey of infertility treatments through IUI and considered even in vitro and other things. And friends, I can just tell you it was difficult and God in his grace showed me that this was not the path because taking these matters into my own hands caused struggles for me personally. Now, please keep in mind as I share this, this is my journey. This is my story. This is what the Lord showed me. We just talked about Sarah and now I'm going to go into sharing my story with you. I am not saying that this is the way for every single person and that this is the outcome for every single person. Infertility was not, infertility treatments was not the answer for me. That is not the way the Lord was leading me. It was for a season and then he redirected me to stop. That may not be your story. That may be the pathway that God chose to give you a child. That may be the story God chose for you. So I'm not speaking against that because God is over physicians 
He is over medicine. He is over any and all treatments that we may encounter or go through today. His sovereign hand is over all of those things, and that may be your storyline and the pathway that God chose to bless you. It wasn't the pathway God chose for me. So again, this is my story, okay? So one of the things that really, really helped me was to turn my focus off of myself, even when I was going through infertility treatments, and onto the Word of God. And one of the things that I love to do and have always done is journaled. And so journaling, I highly encourage journaling, friends, because I can look back and see the hand of God and His promises, answered prayers in so much of my writing because I've journaled through it and I've kept the journals as a record, as a written testimony. And some of my books have even came from my journal writing. And so during this time of sorrow, I had a mentor. Oh, I love mentors. If you don't have a mentor speaking into your life, you need one, okay? During this season of life, I had a mentor. And I we would meet every week for coffee. And, you know, one of the things that she was helping me uh, walk through was just the pain and sorrow of infertility. So we would talk about it. And although she had not walked through infertility herself, she was a very good listener. And so she would listen to me talk about these things. Well, God moved upon her heart to give me a journal. So one uh, day when we were meeting at our little favorite place for coffee, she walks in with a gift and she gives me this gift and it was a journal. And she says, Jeannie, I want to give you this journal and I want to encourage you to use it, to just journal about this season of life that you're in and look for ways that the Lord might show up. And so I opened up this journal and right on the inside of it, it said, if we want our days filled with peace and contentment, we will pursue a life of prayer and praise to God and a daily dependence upon his powerful promises May this journal guide you into more reflection and help you focus on the deeper spiritual values that we all desire. And then it says, prayers, promises, and praise. And I didn't know it at the time, but this journal would become just that, a spot where I would journal prayers and I would journal promises and I would see the praises of God. And then I flipped it open to the next page and it says, faith is not believing that God can, but that God will. Whew, that is a word. That's actually a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Isn't that good? You know, oh, Abraham Lincoln. I like Abraham Lincoln. I love to read the account of him as a president. You know, he was turning to God in this quote. You know, it's not a, it's not a scripture per se, but it's evident that he believed that God was the one that we needed to turn to. God is the one that held our promises. Our faith was in God. It was in God's purpose and plans. And so Abraham knew who to turn to. I knew who to turn to. This woman, this mentor in my life was reinforcing that into my life. Hey, Jeannie, just in case you forgot, don't leave God out of this equation. So I began to use this journal as a tool to write out how I was feeling every day. And so I want to share some of that with you. And so I'm going to read a passage from my journal. Uh, the very first, this is actually the very first entry that I wrote in this journal whenever she gave it to me. 
and it's from October, the season of October 2010. And this is after four years of already trying to conceive and it being unsuccessful. And by the way, every time I saw a negative pregnancy test, it took me into this deeper slump of depression, this deeper hole, this pit I did not want to be in. Every month I saw that negative test, all those other things I called out earlier, the things that women experience and feel, they would all have a trigger in my life. And so I was desperate for hope. I was desperate for answer and promises and the desires of my heart to come alive. So I began to journal that. So here's what it says. October 2010, after four years of trying to conceive, IUI fertility, drugs, and all the unsuccessful things, tears just continue to pour. The heart continues to ache. Lunging myself into begging prayers, years of watching others, family, friends conceive, carry their baby to term, deliveries, then me being invited to birthday parties, one child, two child, many more children, the babies, the baby's dedications, the baby showers that I go and buy gifts for, for other people. It's never my baby shower. It's always someone else's. And yet I still desire to hear a little voice call me mommy and wonder, will I ever, will I ever hear this voice? I find now more than ever at the age of 36 that I must be dependent on God for strength and have faith like never before that he will give me the desires of my heart. Today, on October 26, 2010, I made a call to someone who is on the spiritual care ministry team at our church. Her ministry is infertility, and although I have delayed calling her for so, so long, today I was lifted up by speaking to her through obedience and making that call. But today also, I feel that the Lord is asking me to lay this desire down, if only for a little season, so that I may fulfill the plan he has for me. God may be asking me to lay this desire down for six months, or it may be longer. I don't know. Which I know that this process is going to require more faith than ever. So I'm going to need to stay in prayer so that I can clearly see his direction. And may my God meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4:19. There is no more record of me journaling about my infertility until six months later. Now, let me explain that. I have a journal for every subject of my life. And that is so that I can see where God is moving in that area of my life without it weaving into all these other things that I may be walking through or questioning, uh, seeking wisdom in the word of God. It would be hard for me to navigate through all of that and see a storyline of what he's doing in each area of my life. And so I keep a separate journal for everything that I'm walking through in my life. This journal that this sweet sister mentor friend gave me was for the desire of a child. So this is my infertility journal alone. So that's why there's not another journal entry until six months later, because I decided I was going to lay it down. And for whatever reason, I laid everything down. 
for exactly six months. So the next journal entry is exactly six months later. This is recorded on April 2011, and here's what it says. I obeyed, and I laid my desire down for a season. It has been six months. We started IUI procedures again. First, one month, I took a pregnancy test today, and it confirmed my agony. Once again, not pregnant. My husband, Carter, is trying to be encouraging, telling me, maybe it's just too early. Maybe you tested too early, and let's get busy on the next round. But I am so weary, and I just feel as though I will never have life in my womb. I saw a lady today walking across the parking lot, very, very pregnant, and I glared at the miracle God had given her, and I wondered, will it ever be me? My heart is just so broken. I must cleave to Jesus, if only to survive. Now, take note of how I'm journaling, because I have felt led by the Lord that I need to lay this desire down, right? And so, I'm laying down certain aspects of it, but I'm not fully surrendering it to God because I'm still trying to take some matters into my own hands because I'm continuing to go through the IUI treatments. So I've laid a portion of it down. Maybe partially I've laid this desire down, but I haven't fully laid it down. So I wasn't grasping at that time what it meant to fully lay it all down. So we're going to get there. God's going to show me that that's what he's asking me to do. So the next journal entry is in May, May 4th, 2011. And here's what it says. God is speaking to me for you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. That's out of Hebrews 10, 36. And I wrote behind that, well, it doesn't get more clear than that. I hope the promise is a child. I hope that, I hope that Isaiah 61, 7, double for your shame, double for your trouble. I hope that's my story. So I need to draw close to God and discover his will and fulfill it. Now, I have something really, really cool to share with you that I discovered as I was preparing for this podcast. Oh, I can't wait to tell you how good God is. It just wrecked me in a good way. But let me continue with the journal entries for now. Okay, the next journal entry was the very next day, May 5th, 2011. During my study today of Sarah, God showed me several women who just like me couldn't conceive. All of them prayed and asked God, and God promised and gave them a child. I learned that they waited. They had to wait. So I believe God is continuing to ask me to wait. Okay, let's keep going. Next journal entry, May 9th. Today, I have decided that I want to follow God with my whole heart. Psalms 37, 24. Though she stumbles, she will not fail because God holds her hand. I need to leave my desires of the child of the world behind so that I can better serve him. I want to consume myself with the word, believers, other believers in God. I need to set my heart on the things above. 
Colossians 3, 1 through 2. So you see me really pressing into the word. I'm clinging to God's word to get me through all of this. Okay, now this would be May 14th, 2011. Today I had my second IUI. Next journal entry, this would be June 7th, 2011. Well, another negative test. We are now on number three IUI. This one will be my last one. But actually, I am really at peace because I am standing on his promises and I judge God faithful. I am Sarah. I am continuing with my study. And I've also just finished the novel Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers. What an amazing story full of truth and how God redeems our failures and how much he loves us and gives us the desires of our heart. So what do you see happening here? You've watched me in my journal writing go through a partial surrender because I'm continuing with the IUI treatments. I did three IUI treatments. God's calling me to wait and to full surrender of the IUI. And in this journal entry, it happened. I have said this will be my last treatment and that I am at peace with it. At the same time, God has me reading the novel Redeeming Love, which is a great read, by the way, if you've never read it. And so God is speaking to me about the failures in my life. He's severing the connection of the abortion to my infertility in my mind and heart. He's letting me know, I do not, you know, that is sin. I forgave you of that. That is not going to affect my future promises to you, is what God is telling me. And he's showing me in many ways all around me that his promises are true and that he loves me. And he's redeeming my failures and my mistakes. And he doesn't hold them, uh, he doesn't hold them against me. That he loves me and he's going to give me the desires of my heart. And see, I have a choice to make. I have to either believe God or not believe God. And God's beginning to fill me with peace because I'm seeing that I've kind of taken some things in my own hands with the IUI infertility treatments. And I'm really wrestling with it the whole time. Honestly, it was very, very hard to walk through that process. It was very, very abnormal. And it was difficult. And I wrestled the whole time. There was no peace. And the moment that I said, no, this is it. There will not be another treatment for me. I was at total peace with God. Journal entry, June 8th, 2011. God is telling me to wait on a child. I learned in my study of Sarah today how taking matters into her own hand caused trouble and heartache to many. There are other examples of this in the Bible. I believe the Lord is telling me to not go back for any more treatments. That chapter of my life is over. I am praying for confirmation since I have the last IUI scheduled in a few days. I have always said that I wanted to know my blessing of a child came from him alone and not by anything else that I or man had done. Some think, as I have talked this out, that this is foolish. But for me, I call it trusting God. God is calling me to be obedient. He is seeking a whole-hearted relationship, wholeness, full surrender, and full obedience. So, let me tell you what's going on here right now. And so my third IUI was scheduled and I knew that I had that appointment. And But God is already showing me this is the end. This is going to be a full surrender. I'm going to be letting these things go. 
the IUI had already, the third IUI had already taken place. And so now the Lord is telling me that when I go back, because when you take an IUI procedure, then you have to go back in for testing. And of course, that they do a pregnancy test, although I may have already done one at home, which I had, uh, but they want you to come back into the office so that they can do it there. And so I already knew in my spirit that this third IUI pregnancy test was going to be negative, okay? But I was still walking the process out. God is telling me that this visit, this last third visit to the office is going to be my last one, and he's preparing my heart for that. So I go into the office, and I'm meeting with the same nurse that I met with all the other times. We've built a relationship, and she comes back in, and she tells me, Jeannie, I'm so sorry. The test is negative, and I just look at her, and I smile, and I said, I knew that it was going to be negative, and it's okay, and she begins to tell me uh, that, you know, well, this is what we can do. We can uh, let, we want to talk about uh, in vitro. We want to talk about some other things, and she begins to, and I just saw her lips moving, really. I wasn't taking in everything she was saying. I can't recall anything else that she said other than what I just shared, and I let her you know, finish what she was saying. And I just looked at her and I said, this is actually going to be my last day coming into the office. And I said, God has told me that I need to let go and trust him. And I didn't expect or plan to share my story with her, but I began to share with her my story of abortion and everything that I had gone through in my life and how God had moved and spoke to me, even in my infertility, that I needed to just trust in him for the desires of my heart. And I said, so that's what I'm going to do because I know that God can and he is able to give me the desire of my heart when he is ready. And so I'm going to trust him in that time and I'm going to give this desire back to him. And so she began to cry as I shared my story with her and with what I was saying to her. And the whole room was filled with peace, and she felt peace about it. I felt peace about it. Carter was at peace about it. And so we knew that this was our story. We were saying goodbye. We were closing this chapter of our life. Now, the next journal entry was on uh, June 9th, 2011, and it says, He maketh a barren woman, a keeper of the house, a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Psalms 113.9. So here in this journal, we begin to see a shift. And we're going to talk about this more next week. But we begin to see a shift from me crying out to the Lord and walking through all this struggle to claiming his word to my situation and giving him praise. I wrote Hebrews 10.36. After you have done the will of the Father, you will receive the promise. And this was the last thing I wrote on that day. My lesson is to, when I begin to doubt, even as Abraham and Sarah did, I will focus on God and his commitment to fulfill his promise. I will follow God in obedience, and I will function. I will stay busy. I will stay productive for the kingdom. I will stay focused on God. I will make sure I am moving humbly forward on worthwhile projects. I will involve myself in the lives of other people by being a person that gives. I will work out my faith while I work on my own faith by patiently waiting. And then one day, 
God's appointed day in his own unique way. What once lay in the realm of faith will be made real. That which was promised will become reality. And what a glorious day it will be. Amen. And that was the last prayer on that journal season of my life. Because as I said, my journaling began to shift and change. And I want to talk about that in the next episode. And we're going to talk about Hannah in the next episode. And what God showed me about Hannah and how that related to my own story. The last little miracle that I want to share with you today as we end is And I just recently discovered this, friends, just as I was preparing for this podcast. But twice today in this episode, I have read you the scripture from Hebrews 10, 36. After you have done the will of the Father, you will receive the blessing. Now, the first time that I did that journal entry with that scripture was on May 4, 2011. And when I read that, preparing for this podcast, I said, oh my goodness, I immediately recognize the date. Now, hold that thought. Once you've done the will of the Father, you will receive the promise dated May 4th, 2011. Now, the other thing that I just shared with you in this last journal entry in this season of prayer and waiting that I wrote, I would work and move forward on worthwhile projects involving myself in the lives of other people, that I would be a giving person and I would work out my faith. And so I'm saying there that I'm going to give back. I'm going to begin to focus on the needs of people and I'm going to do projects and assignments that the Lord calls me to. Now, what I want to share with you and how that's all related is, da-da-da! So I told you that I keep a journal for every subject of my life. The other journal that I was keeping during this season of my life was the ministry call that God had on my life. And God had done this miraculous work of healing me from the pain of abortion. And he was using me to serve in my community, but I knew that there was more. And I had been journaling, asking the Lord to show me, God, what is this? There's something going on deep in me. And I know that you're calling me to something, but I don't know what that looks like. So Lord, would you please reveal this service, this ministry that you've given me that I'm not aware of yet. I was asking God with expectation, pleading with the Lord to show me what this is stirring in my heart. And on this same date, May 4th, 2011, in that journal, this is what I wrote. God is telling me to get busy doing his will. And during this process, I will be patiently waiting for the rewards. I believe I am going to Myrtle Beach to start a Pregnancy Resource Center ministry. I have lots to do to prepare. Wow. This is the day. This is the day, May 4, 2011, that I share so often as I walk around in the community and beyond sharing about the work of Coastline Women's Center, which is a ministry in which I founded to take care of women facing unplanned pregnancies, uh, to help women heal that's gone through abortion, take care of women that need help with parenting and discipleship, spreading the gospel. This ministry in which God has called me to found that we lead today 
This was the very day God told me that he was sending me to an area where I knew no one and I was going to fulfill this assignment. Do you see what God was doing? He was showing me. I didn't, I never got this. Friends, I never got this in the big picture of how it was all working together. I knew I had this journal where God had given this date and it had to do with me founding this ministry. And then I had this journal that had to do with infertility. But this journal has been tucked away for a long time. And so I just pulled this journal out to start working on this podcast for you. And then I remembered in the midst of working when I saw that date, oh my gosh. And I went and grabbed, ran to my prayer closet, grabbed this journal, came back, read them both, sitting beside of each other. And I was like, oh my gosh. So what I'm telling you, this is real time right now that I'm sharing this revelation with you of how God was speaking to me in that time frame about what he was calling me to do in ministry and how what he was calling me to do once I fulfilled that assignment and was obedient to it, that he was going to give me the desire of my heart. He was going to give me that child and that child was going to be the reward, but it was in his timing. Once you have done the will of the Lord, for you have need of patience, and after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. Hebrews 10, 36. It is time to end this episode today because I'm just going to have to go have another cup of coffee myself and soak and take all this in and rejoice in just how good God is. So friends, stay tuned. Stay with me next week because we're going to dive deeper into this. I'm going to share more of my story. We're going to talk about the story of Hannah and it's going to be good stuff. Listen, if you know someone who is struggling with infertility, or even has and God's already fulfilled that promise, or maybe they're waiting for that promise, please share this content with them because this is going to be such a opportunity vessel of hope for them. It's going to encourage them. It's going to help them identify with someone else's story. It's going to turn them to God's word. And so if that's you, I just want to tell you, I see you. I understand what you're going through. I understand what you've been through. And God is good. I just want to say to you, believe. Believe. Because sometimes God approaches us and he gives us blessings and miracles in ways that we didn't expect to see them. Sometimes they come in different packages, but you need to know that God is good and he loves you. And he knows the desires of your heart because he put them there and he will fulfill them. It is his promise. In Jesus' name, I speak this over you. Amen. Friends, I love you. Have a wonderful week. And remember, live life abundantly. If you like Mommy's show, leave a review. Hey, before you go, if this podcast has blessed you, the number one way you can help me is to leave a review and subscribe to the Shattered in the Beautiful show. Next, hop on over to the Shattered in the Beautiful private Facebook group where you will find a network of friends with daily inspiration. You can reach me at JeannieScottSmith.com. And lastly, please share the episode or review in your social and tag me at Smith Evangelistic Ministries. I cannot wait to meet with you again. Stay tuned for more life-giving podcasts coming your way.